Welcome to the season four of Outstanding Women Leaders, Witty and Wise Conversations. I'm your host, Katie L. Leeds, founder and chief owl at Outstanding Women Leaders Professional Coaching and Podcast, an organization dedicated to empowering women in leadership, relationships, and life. Owl is on a mission to host 100 million witty and wise conversations that inspire you, disrupt the way you think, and stir your soul into aligned action. That inspiration begins with a set of rules to guide our conversation today. Nobody gets to be right. Nobody gets to be wrong. Everybody gets to be vulnerable. Rule number four, my favorite, everything is included. We do not edit here. This conversation is exactly what it needs to be in this moment in time. We've asked our guests to join us via video to allow us to create authentic connection. Eyes are the window to the soul. You will be seen here. You'll be heard. There is space for you. When this conversation comes to a close, I will ask our guests three questions. If you've tuned in before, you know what they are. If you haven't, you do not want to miss them, but enough about me. Today, I'm excited to welcome all the way from, what city are you in? Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv. I was going to say that. I didn't want to be wrong. All the way from Tel Aviv, <laughs> outstanding woman leader, Donna Gorin Elmagor. As a 5-1 sacral generator, she lets her sacral responses guide the way, her way for 30 plus years until it led her to mm. human design. She now uses that to fuel her passion of helping people live a happier, easier, more aligned, and meaningful life. After 17 years in advertising, design, and tech, where she got to work with people to maximize their potential, she's now focused on this full-time through the Coactive Coaching and Human Design Reading Model. Welcome, Donna. So excited to have you on the podcast after getting to read your chart for you. <laughs> Thank you. It's amazing to be here. And uh, yeah, Katie's how I got uh, exposed to human design. She offered to teach and I responded with yes. Uh, and Katie is, uh, gave me my first reading and my first introduction to human design. And now you're going to become an expert in it because you're getting all the certifications and then you can teach me all mm -hmm. of the things that I don't know. So I love that about <laughs> us. You know, five ones got to stick together and we have mm -hmm. that, uh, eight and one time to have fun relationship with our open solar <laughs> plexus between us. Actually, no, we're a nine and oh, because I fill in your solar plexus with my 39. I take that back. Mm -hmm. mm, so we're very special. We don't want to hang out with anyone else when we're together. This, this is beautiful right here, right now. Yes. So you have an incredible story as every five one that I've ever met does. And mm -hmm. you know, five ones designed to interact with strangers. You have a lot of, in all your energy is individual. Tell us about this individual story of you. Um, moving your way through the universe without knowing anything about being a five one? Um, I think my whole life, I've always been drawn to people and I've always felt like a call to like meet a lot of people, be in the presence of people, yet always felt that like not always having like strong enough connections as I would have liked. And I think learning that I was a five kind of like made sense to that. I was like, okay, I have these like close people in my life. But I'm also like meant to interact with like a wide variety of people and like a broad group and like chain groups as I go, right? I have like friends that have stayed throughout my life, but I often also change the group of people that I like hang out with. Um, and I think that's also always drawn me to explore. And um, we once shared the experience of like being an individual, um, which was also something that when I like learned in human design for the first time, I was like, Huh, but I've always been like part of a family, part of a really big group. 
But suddenly things started to make sense. Why being part of a big family, a lot of times I wanted like some peace of quiet and not to be included in all like the happenings and everything that was going on all the time. Um, and I've also like moved to different places. Uh, I lived in New York. I moved there when I was 25 to get my master's. Then after a few years, moved back to Israel, lived in one town, then moved to Tel Aviv. Like every few years, switching my setting, like exploring this idea of interacting with strangers, of creating my new group of people every time. Um, but also from the perspective of an individual, like understanding how do I express myself authentically, fully, and from that kind of inspire the people around me. I, uh, very similar, I have an integration and individual circuits. I've got a, a little bit of collective as mm -hmm. well, but very similar for you of always feeling like drawn to meet people. And we do sort of shift things when we show up in the room. Mm -hmm. I call it holding court. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have an open throat. So that's part of it is I'm going to adjust how I show up <laughs> hold court. <laughs> um, you know, when, when you learn you were a five, one, what was something that changed, shifted for you? Just learning that. So curious. I think two things really shifted for me. One was related to the five and one was related to the one. So when I understood I was a five, I really let go of having to like convince or influence or mutate the people that are close to me. I've seen fives around me really try to like convince their family or their close friends and failing miserably. Um, and it kind of like, let me go. I'm like, with the people that are close to me, I'm not like meant to make a big difference, or at least I'm not meant to like convince them or impose on them. And also I think even like starting my business in the beginning, I was like, how am I not getting any referrals or any opportunities for my family that believes in me and, you know, trust me from my good friends that like, tell me I'm a amazing coach yet send me no clients, but people that I used to work with in the past refer to me like people all the time or people that I once knew when I was in high school or something. And kind of understanding the energy of a five really gave me clarity on that. I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to get my opportunities from my, from not, not from my close network. And the one obviously as being unconscious really surprised me in the beginning. I was like, me, a deep learner and explorer. I was like, what? I'm like, I'm superficial. I only know like a little bit about anything. And once I started to explore that one concept, I was like, every single thing I like research, people will ask me, like, it can be anything from like, how do you get accepted to a master's degree in the US? All onto like, what blender should I buy? Or like, what's the best pen to use? And everything in that like spectrum, I've like researched and I've tested and I've like read about it and I've tried it out, but I was not aware of it at all. I did not perceive myself as that kind of person. And now I'm like fully embracing it and allowing it to happen. And I also see where I used to have this thing where I'd like look something up on like Instagram or something. And then I'd be like, oh, this is too complicated for me to understand and like close the phone. And I'd be like, did I not, did I appreciate myself enough for like understanding complexity? And after like learning about human design, I realized it was like my body's mechanism of stopping me from going down a rabbit hole. I was like, this is not too complex for me to understand. This would just be sucking four hours of my life of me going down like different videos, different articles until I figure it out. And it was my body being just like, no, not now. Let it go. Leave it alone. Close your phone. Go do something else. Because like 
this is going to take a lot of time. So that's kind of how I, I think the two big things I got out of being a five one was like one, you know, opening up and, and, and allowing the opportunity to come from the strangers. Right. And uh, like embracing my oneness. Hmm. Yeah. When I built my first business, I sat in a park talk about strangers. Everyone I hired mm. for my staff was a stranger that I met in a park. Every person that signed yeah. up for the gym I opened uh, was mm. a stranger from the park. And then I launched a business in January of 2020, not knowing that I can't follow <laughs> my same business plan of just sitting in a park and waiting for strangers to find me. In fact, I was in New York, like New York, like we didn't leave forever. And mm-hmm. Hoboken is where I was living at the time. And we were the first in the nation to shut down things like bars and restaurants. My dad was actually running around the city still. I'm like, dad, we're shutting down. He's like, yeah, we're not shutting down for three more days. We're headed to Lincoln Center. (laughs) I'm like, you're right. It'll be much more dangerous three days from now. Either either we're shutting down or we're not. I I never understood that. Like, "Ah, in five days, it's clear. (laughs) But the, uh, it was so hard. And then, you know, you go to to the experts that have built companies before on coaching, and they all tell you to mm-hmm. work your relationships, tell everyone who you know, people in mm-hmm. sales. So I am a different type of salesperson. I've been told my entire life I need to go into sales, and I've re- mm-hmm. re- avoided it my entire life, probably because in sales, you're required to have what they call a pipeline. I don't mm-hmm. need a pipeline. You just send me somewhere. I'll go get a bunch of people to buy the product. I'll come home. I'll service those people. And then I just go back out when I need more. And I ran my gym that way. I wasn't nurturing people. I just had this conversation mm-hmm. with someone. They're like, you need to nurture your leads. No, 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 no. Other people nurture. And the moment they meet me, they're ready to buy. <laughs> <laughs> Not that someone meets me and hasn't been thinking about it for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. I'm a stranger of consequence, just like you. Mm -hmm. I think for me, the most freeing part was recognizing that the 5-1 is not my personality. It's just a mechanic. Because Mm -hmm. the first line, we are chameleons. I don't know about you, but I have a closet, what I call a closet full of costumes. They're just different types of clothes. I, I like like when sometimes people come over I'm like you have to see my closet like you won't believe it and it's like every single color every single pattern and I used to say like one of my most complicated issues with like dressing up is like I have like 10 different styles that I like and sometimes things don't match because I'll have like three sporty pants and like two like really casual shirts and then like a really fancy dress and maybe some heels and then like I'd be like I'll have a little bit of everything because I like all of those different things. And like every single day I want to be one day, I want to be really dressed up. And the other day I want to be super like casual. Yeah. What it allowed me to do was just fully lean into, I am not a bit, cause we don't abandon ourselves when we do it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we do it to make yeah. other people feel more comfortable. I'm a story collector. So I'm going to, I've got the 13. So I'm going to really make you feel comfortable to tell me all your secrets. You have that too. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm dressing for the occasion I'm going into, you know, this whole black mm-hmm. section of my closet. That's when I lived in New York. And then you would see pictures of me uh, with all my girlfriends. Everyone's wearing black dress. I didn't get the memo. I'm in like a navy blue dress <laughs> or everyone's wearing black. When I first moved to New York, we had this like fun little brunch, like New York's all about brunch. And I'm wearing mm-hmm. a bright fuchsia long maxi dress. And I walk <laughs> and the entire restaurant is in black. Like, well, I'm just sticking out here in my, you know, five one cell. Yeah. And I think actually through fashion, 
I really understood this idea of like also the individual energy. Because I was like, in the beginning, I was like, how do you influence other people to change or mutate without actively trying to influence them just by being an inspiration? And that was like a like a, an idea I was struggling with at first. And then I thought about, so I'll show you my special Halloween nails that I just mm-hmm. did now. I see this pumpkin. So I really love painting my nails like crazy colors. And I do that because it's really, really fun for me. And then I started noticing that people around me sort of would come to, up to me and be like, look, you inspired me. I did this like small heart. Look, you inspired me. I did this flower. And I was like, I just did it for me. I didn't, didn't do it to change anybody else. You know, it's like, and I think the same thing with the clothes. I remember I had, I went through this like black clothes period when I was working at a design agency and everyone was wearing like black sneakers, black jeans, black everything. And then there was a, this girl that started working there, we're now very good friends, but she came and she was wearing like these giant like necklaces and like color prints and like everything was like really big and colorful and beautiful. And she did it for her. And as soon as I saw her like wearing those outfits, everything in my closet like resurfaced and all the colors that I used to wear and like was really excited about. And I was like, so that was for me also seeing like an individual energy and how it affects, uh, how it affected me. So fashion is really how I like connected that idea of being in your individual energy, expressing yourself creatively and influencing other people without even like intending to. So we did that. So you, we, you've done co-active is how we sort of met, um, not through mm-hmm. the courses itself, but just through the, the interwebs. And uh, then you've done human design you know, one of the things that really stood out to me in human design versus how we teach people to coach is 70% of us are designed to answer yes or no, this or that questions. And in coaching, we are only ans- asking open-ended questions. Mm-hmm. How do you now, nav- yeah. how do you integrate those two in there? It's not that their open-ended questions aren't deep and rich and full, but how do you integrate those two for you in coaching? Uh, that's a very good question. A very good open-ended question that I, uh, my open head right now is like, I don't, I don't know if I know the answer to that right now. I think I need to to think about it. That's what I feel happens so much in coaching is that people will find, they'll say, that's a great question. And then they're going to search for an answer. Mm -hmm. And as soon as they're doing it, I'm like, I'm interested to see what they come up with. I'm going to pull the word that actually works, but now we're seeking. You're an open head. You're not even answering your own question. You're answering mine. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I'm like, yeah, I was not uh, that the question like didn't cross my mind until now. Maybe I'll think about it now, but I don't know if I have an answer for it right now. Mm. And I'm not going to force it because I'm honoring my design. Right. Yeah. That um, for me, when I felt like a fraud, when I owned a CrossFit gym, I had my own weight loss transformation, right? Individual. Mm -hmm. We mutate ourselves. We inspire others. Just like you said, Uh, Mm -hmm. I never told, I never wanted anyone to do it the way I did it. I wanted to inspire them to find their own path. Mm -hmm. I felt like a fraud because I never did any of the assignments I told my coach I would do. (laughs) And then I learned I have an open ego center and I have nothing to prove to anyone. No wonder I wasn't, I was so aligned, (laughs) but man, like, did I feel like something was wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And have my own coach say, you know, you are a little all over the place. I'm like, well, it is also a pandemic. 
I am all over the place. I don't mm-hmm. have a blueprint for this. I lost my job. <laughs> New Jersey's um, mm-hmm. it hasn't kicked in and I'm trying to fight them to find out how in the heck I'm going to get yep. that. And I, I do have a, a nest egg of money because I'm, but that it's, it's going to run out. I mean, I was nine months later and I still hadn't received any money. <laughs> Right. Um, maybe I was all over the place, but maybe <laughs> you're like, it's by design. Yes. It's, it's I am all over design. the place. I, yeah. <laughs> had I known what my design was, I would have said, well, I have a 952. I have a very powerful format energy. It's either on or off. I focus mm-hmm. on what matters. Perhaps the questions coaches are asking me aren't really useful. Yeah. I think two things. Uh, one is that that's part of the reason I was so drawn to human design for coaching, for parenting. Cause this idea of like, I remember reading Ra, the founder of human design saying, I don't remember the exact quote, but it was something sort of parents want to parent their children, right. But they don't necessarily know how to parent them right for them. Mm-hmm. And for me starting to see my kids through the lens of like human design, understanding like, why they operate the way they work and why some of the solutions I was using, like a very lengthy bedtime routine for my generator child, who's supposed to like exhaust all his energy was failing miserably. And now that I know he's a generator, if he tells me, mommy, I'm not tired yet, I'll tell him, go play, go read, go do something until you feel completely tired. And then he falls asleep like that. But had I not seen his map, I might've kept my whole you know life struggling with this like lengthy bedtime routine, closing the lights, like putting calming music, doing bubble baths and like all that stuff that wasn't helping him. And I think the same with coaching clients. It's like once you see how your clients are designed and if they're willing to go on this journey with you, you're able to ask them questions and you're able to understand, are they, do they need to answer in the moment or do they need to sleep on it or like feel through it? Like, some of my clients should be able to answer in the moment, right? If they have like a sacral, but some of them shouldn't be able to answer in the moment. Some of them might need to take the time to feel through things. And I'm I pressuring them knowing like, you know, my map to commit to something that they don't aren't ready to commit to yet. So I think that's what's really beautiful about using human design for coaching is that you're able to coach the person the way that they need to be coached or they will best be served by coaching. And you can see much clearer the dynamic between the two of you. Um, so maybe that's sort of an answer to the question. Yeah. I think also it reminds us that this is medicine. And if you have someone on the other end, that's looking at your medicine chart, there's a lot of things you could do with it that are really kind of slimy too. I will say I have, I have, um, so I have an open throat. Mm. So if you, if I was considering being a client with you, although I'm a sacral, although I have the 57 and I, you know, I have this inner truth and it's intuition, I have an open throat. If you're a defined throat and you're putting pressure on me to know something, the only hanging gate I have is I lead or I don't lead. And if I'm making a decision about buying something, guess what? Katie wants to be the leader. So I've had someone that's had my chart pulled up. They have the 20 gate, which fills me mm-hmm. in and says, you know, now. <laughs> and, uh, and so when I got that question, she was trying to speak to my sacral and mm-hmm. she was trying to get me to say yes. And then I even, and then I got the question, well, I got the end at the very end. I think it was her hail Mary. It was, you know, I'm looking to play with, looking to bring people on that want to play big. I don't have anything to prove. 
And also maybe you should have researched me. I've played pretty big. I mean, I have an international fundraiser from the last business I owned that's still running. Like, but I have nothing to prove. You can't sell me. Mm -hmm. You know, you can sell. I I can look at someone's chart and know exactly how to sell them. I know their pain points. Part of that's the 17 gift of my wife's yeah. life's work of like, I can just pull it out <laughs> right away and hand it to you. Um, and the kids thing, you know, the kids thing is really what human design is for adults. Mm-hmm. We're not, you know, we can complete our childhoods. I don't know. We keep people still trying to heal it over here. I'm like, listen, those wounds have scabs <laughs> have <come> over them. <laughs> you know, you could just, let's just put it to bed already. All right. Let's complete it. <laughs> But there's no healing for this. But for the children, I love that you mentioned the generator child because mm-hmm. I always tell people, just let your child like at the when they're right before bed play this game where they run up and down the halls as fast as they can. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was like, yeah. stop reading books about children that are adults telling you how they fall asleep, right? <laughs> but before I even knew human design, I was telling people that. We have the one line in our mm-hmm. note. I've been observing human behavior for 40 years. We're one lines. That's what we do. So my uh, my cousin has two manifestor children and two generator children. Manifesting generator, yeah. generator, and then two manifestors, right? Manifestors are the best sleepers. Of course they are. About an hour before they're supposed to go to sleep, they'll get their blanket and they watch their TV and they mm-hmm. pass out. They're great nappers because their battery runs out. The other two... No, skip the nap. Manifesting gender yeah. particular, skip the nap, you know? And so mom- my son is eight years old and he's been waking up at 6 a.m. ever since the day he was born. I have never set an alarm. And it does not matter if he goes to bed at 11 p.m. because we were at an event or like anything happened. They changed, you know, they changed the like the time zone now or anything. 6 a.m., that's it. He's done. He's ready. He's up. Yeah. The day is like ready. He's like awake. They're so aligned with their energy. You know, I, mm-hmm. um, I always know someone's uh, an emotional when I ask them, do you wake up different every day? Cause I've woken up the same way every day for 40 years. And they'll look <laughs> at me and say, what, what do you mean? Like the exact same, like, yep. Only exception is the night before school. I was always excited and had a hard time going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> like that was it. I would hate getting out of bed though. I was not that mm-hmm. generator child that was ready to go. And I do think that's because I have a wide open solar plexus and I lived with two emotionally defined parents. Mm-hmm. And for me, getting out of bed is walking into the projection field. It's walking in and I'm I'm not yeah. ready for that almost as a kid. So I'm a little bit different in that generator child. Um, and I was the kid that was reading books at night until I finally fell asleep. So it's funny because we have the opposite dynamic, right? Because like he's a, he's defined... And I'm like an open solar plexus. So in some days in the morning, I'm like, wait, I'm not ready yet. Wait, let me drink right? my coffee. Let me wake up. <laughs> so you know what that feels like. Yeah. So the <laughs> yes. generator child can, yeah. uh, with the open solar plexus, if they're around that, we may be a little bit hesitant to get out of bed. I never wanted to miss mm-hmm. school. I just didn't really want to get ready for school or get out of bed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can resonate with that feeling. Hmm. What totally. have you, how has this shifted, you know, the open parent and the defined child, how has that knowledge shifted your relationship or how you show up for him? I think I've definitely like realized um, that sometimes I need to like break away for a few moments when we're both in this like emotional turmoil 
he has like a defined root he's like and and a defined um solo plexus so he'll get very emotional and sometimes it's too much for me to handle so i might step away go to a different room or i will tell myself this is his i'm here to like hold the space but i don't need to like absorb the the emotions into myself yeah and i think i'm I'm also like understanding his both his like abilities and and challenges and his uh and his challenges uh he's also like a two four so that tension between you know you're a kid you go to school here it's from like 7 30 to 4 30 right so for most of the day he's with other people and his four is really like he wants to be with other people all the time and then you have this two energy that needs to be alone. And how do you find the balance? So suddenly I'm like understanding why he loses the balance, why he needs some, how as as his mom, I can help him see things that he maybe doesn't understand yet, right? That the four is pulling him to be more and more with people or what he needs right now is a few moments to himself and how much that like helps him calm and collect. And he's like super talented, like, uh like artists like he draws comic yeah, books and like all this stuff comes out when yeah. he's alone mm-hmm. yeah. Mm. yeah I like what you said there about pulling yourself out of his energy and also recognizing mm-hmm. that you're here to hold the space not to fix the emotion that's the number yeah. one thing that happens for parents is that mm-hmm. I, my mom grew up the entire life being told I was so emotional only to find out now I just have the 39 and she's got the 39 55. So I was just provoking the shit out of her. <laughs> when I was <laughs> And I was just, re- I'm an amplifier. I'm amplifying the emotions in the room. <laughs> I have no gates except for that 39. Of course, I have to live with a parent that has the full channel makes perfect sense. <laughs> so she's not fully mm-hmm. I was emotional only when I was near her. <laughs> And that's probably why she felt that. I wish she would have, in some ways, I really wish she would have been alive in order for me to have these conversations with her. So mm-hmm. we can laugh as parents. Yeah. And I think that's another part of the medicine of human design is that it brings you back mm-hmm. to the original story you were born into versus the stories that yeah. you collected along the way. And I think you said something earlier about how we can't like heal our childhood wounds. But I think human design can sometimes give us a different lens to look at things if it was like oh maybe you know I didn't feel like part of my family or like when my mom and I were talking about the concept of family we never understood each other she's like very tribal and I'm only individual so sometimes she'd be you know like family is the most important thing and I'd be like what why do we need family you know like being like a adolescent I was like why, why do I need all this family and stuff um And now that like looking at our maps together, I can be like, it wasn't like nothing was wrong wrong with me. Nothing was wrong with her. It was like, we see the world from a different lens. And now we can actually like come closer on this subject and just like agree to disagree because you understand that you just have different perspectives or like maybe growing up and feeling like you always had a lot of friends, but there are times where you didn't have like a best friend or like someone like people that you were really, really close with. And kind of being like, well, then th- nothing was wrong in that time. So I, there are a lot of times in my past that I go back to and I was like, during the time I thought something was wrong with me, with the world, with whatever. And now I'm like, no, this is how it was meant to be. And it's, and now, and suddenly I'm like, fine with that. So 
it's not really like the healing of the wounds. Yeah, like you said, I definitely agree with what you were saying, but it's kind of like, okay, but I understand now kind of like why this happened. And I understand that that was how it was supposed to unfold. Yeah. I, and when I started my, you know, when I was started coaching, I was offended by the fact that my friends and family, despite saying that they really believe in me and consulting me all the time, were sending me no clients. And then I stopped being offended by that because I'm like, that's not in my, you know, that's not in my design. They, they should be like believing in me and supporting me, but they, they're not supposed to send me clients. Stranger of consequences, right? The, the five line. Yeah. We don't need a pipeline. We just need people to interact with. And when we walk away, we'll walk mm-hmm. away. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Uh, yeah. I, the rewrite your story is the tagline for our professional coaching. I wrote that and created my business before mm-hmm. I found human design in 2021 and gene keys, the accompaniment to human design is really where I see people that get to rewrite their childhood. Let's complete it once and for mm-hmm. all. Um, and there's, I've had a client who she has a really horrific story of, of molestation and shot and abuse. And mm-hmm. she has a 1333. It's the only channel she has. And you start to see this like beautiful symphony, like these, she saw it as we mm-hmm. talked of because you're designed like this and because this space was open, but you have the G center that's defined. So at least you didn't take like to be able to see that now it's like, uh, not only mm-hmm. are you able to see where you this, uh, you make sense of the past, but she had a woman tell her in the spiritual community that we choose this life. It's like, well, who would choose to be molested? Like who would choose that? Mm-hmm. And as a one, three, well, we also know that those people are intended to be on a stage talking to others. They're there to, and to be a storyteller and to really share mm-hmm. individual experience. Uh, and that's ultimately what she wanted to do when we were there. She was finishing up her trauma workbook, like working through her things, you know, that was her 30th year. So it was big. Yeah. It's really cool to see people feel empowered by their story. And the question I asked yeah. her is what story do you want to write a year from now? And she said, strong woman. I said, and I asked her if that hadn't happened to you in your story, would that be how you'd want to talk about yourself? And she just goes, no. And it was almost like this release of like, yeah. <laughs> so what would your story be that you would write? What would you want to look back and see a year from now? I think that's, what's really empowering to me about sharing this for people. The medicine mm-hmm. for people yeah. is so zero to nine months, here's your wound. And here's, and here's your wound at zero to seven. <laughs> you know, here's, I have a shadow of psychosis in there. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So mom and dad's gay and mom and dad never told me. And <laughs> that sounds real psych crazy. <laughs> it starts to allow you to see like this beautiful symphony of why I would have chosen this life. Mm-hmm. What I see what I did want to learn in this life. And that's really empowering. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to start talking about traumas is very disempowering for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see when, when I show people, like, I start to introduce them to their design, to their charts, to the things that they really get a different perspective on things, and then they can choose, and they can choose which powers they want to lean into more and what they want to release. Like, I think, for me, one of the biggest things was this thing of always being like, my my brain doesn't function well enough. Like I try to force it to think and it won't like respond to my thinking. And I'd feel like all this anxiety when I'd have to like do something like this, right? 
like come on a podcast and answer questions. I don't know what the questions are going to be. And I'm like going to be surprised. And I remember the first time starting to practice human design, I was going to a meeting. Someone wanted me to consult on a presentation he was working on. And I was chanting on the way there. I was like, you don't have to answer anybody's questions. If an answer comes up, great. If not, not. And all the anxiety I was carrying in my head my whole life, like, will I know the answer? Will I come off smart enough? Will I know all the answers to everything? I was just like, no, this is a new story where I don't have to know anything. Uh, if I know something, great. Also, I have, you know, it's like the 4323, right? Like, I don't necessarily know what's going to come out of my mouth until I hear it come out. Uh, I was interviewing for another podcast a while ago and the interviewer asked me, do you want the questions up front? And I was like, no, because if they, if you send me the questions up front, I'm going to get stuck in my head trying to come up with really good answers. And you can going to come up with answers from like my head and not from my Ajna. And like, it's going to be a very, it's not going to be a, the right process. I was like, just answer, ask me on the spot. And then when I listened to it after I was like, it was spot on because it just things came out. And when I heard myself speaking after, I was like, huh, I didn't realize I knew that concept so well. So I think that was like me kind of like rewriting my story. And instead of being, oh, you don't have good enough ideas. Oh, you don't know how to like structure content well enough. Saying I have great ideas. My mind and my body and my throat and everything just operate differently. And if I maximize how I'm creating outputs, then, then wow, what comes out? Mm. I was like listening to the podcast. And for the first time in my life, I was like, oh, wow, I sound so good. Oh, wow, this is a really good explanation. And this is after a lifetime of being like, why did I say that? Why did I write that? You know, suddenly for the first time, being like, ah, oh, mm. I'm really good at doing this. So. That's why I say complete, because when something is complete, right, like, it's done. We're not going back there anymore. Healing yeah. a child trauma or healing a story. Well, healing is a process that you're in. Mm -hmm. you know, right. And then you're healed. Do you say you're healed? No, you don't. You're like, oh, that's <laughs> over. <laughs> like, um, I think that's what I love about this. The power of this medicine is that mm -hmm. you not it's so leader within and co-active self-acceptance, self-authority. How else are you going to get to self-acceptance and self-authority if you don't know yourself? And we hold on to things yeah. that aren't ourself. Mm -hmm. and this is just, you know, birth time, location and date. So it's some, you know, pretty unbiased information there. And that 2343 channel of you speaking is a recognition channel, right? It's not a self-generated. It has to be recognized. It's the genius, mm -hmm. the freak to genius. <laughs> And I, and all you're doing in that open head is pulling out of the air what's there, right? That's why you mm -hmm. don't prepare. Um, and I have a wide open throat. So any, the, the worst thing or not wide open, I have a hanging gate, but the worst thing anyone can do for me is ask me to write a speech ahead of time. <laughs> and when I tell someone with a defined throat, that's not an Aja defined, you know, they're always, what are you going to say? I'm like, I don't know. I can't wait to find out. <laughs> But whatever it is, you know, I was a teacher for seven years. I was just improv in my everything. When I, someone told me to take improv class and they were describing it. I'm like, that's just my life. 
you know, when I'm teaching, I have a degree in history. When I was teaching history, like I would have the notes. I would always say the notes are for me and the jokes are for you. The notes first year, like I, you know, I can't, I'm not great at the perfect mm-hmm. details, but after I've taught it four times that day, I'm pretty good. <laughs> But nothing ever looked the same, you know, no class got the Mm -hmm. exact same energy because we're pulling from the energy that's in the room. I've defined head. So I'm pretty specific about how I process information. Mm. (laughs) Mm. So now that you know about human design, what's your superpower? What's my superpower? It's a great question. I feel like I answered that in the questionnaire, but I don't remember what I said. See, that's my Mm. mind being like. Wow. Your superpower you shared in the questionnaire was your openness. Yes, that is, I I agree with that. I wrote it while ago. I think, I don't know if it comes from my individuality or my personality or whatever it is. I'm a very sort of, I might be like more fixed in the way I live my life, but I'm very accepting of other people's choices for their life. It's like, you want a career? Great. You want to stay home with your kids? Great. You want to like, I remember as as I was a kid, people tell me like, oh, I never want to have children. I was like, I can get that. I never want to get married. I can get that. I want to get married and have tons of kids. I can get that. I was like, or I think that also allows me to like coach people and look at people's maps without judgment. I think like my line is usually like hurting someone else. But like, as long as you're not hurting someone else, whatever you choose to do with your life, like have an amazing career don't have an amazing career like whatever you choose since it does not like affect me I'm all up for it so I feel like when I work with a client I'm not trying to impose my agenda um and I'm accepting of their choice and also like when I introduce people to their like body graph to their design it's very like you know explore what works for you this is how maybe I see it, but maybe you see it something differently. And and I think also what I really like about human design is also how I've noticed like different teachers and different books teach differently. I've like learned about specific channels from like this one course and from these other books and everyone has like a sort of their own way of interpreting it. And I'm like, okay, it's I like, like this the explanation <laughs> and I like that. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. It's like, there's like the textbook and then there's like all the people that give it their interpretation. And I kind of like choose what I like, but I try to store in my mind the like more formal explanations, the more storytelling explanations, and then kind of to work with whoever sits in front of me to explain it to them in a way that will resonate with them instead of just being like, this is what's in the book. This is how it has to be. And I think in human design is sometimes you'll introduce a person to something and they'll be like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, this is, I'm really aligned. Then you'll say something and be like, that's completely not me. I'll be okay. Like, maybe not. Maybe it is and you're not aware, but maybe not. And I accept that. Like it's, you know, explore it. So I'm not trying to like force people to be like, no, if it's in your chart, it has to be right. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. let's, you know, experiment with this. Look at it, how it like meets you in your life. So. Yeah, I can see where you're very much the educator. And (laughs) so I always want to go to source first, and then I want to evaluate out how the other source is talking about it. And and into this source, Mm -hmm. what I like about the different 
Uh, so words are magic, right? Words are spells. <laughs> and if you, if you don't believe me, use a slur to somebody and watch what happens to them. You've just casted a spell. So words are spells. And if I'm pulling, you know, one of the words for, uh, I think it's the 24 is a silent mystic. That is not going to land for my very logical clients. But when I say you create truth through trans, you create transformation through silence that sometimes will resonate. Like just the way that mm -hmm. you use the word yeah. resonate for people. Um, and uh, so I, I do, and that's why I go to all the sources and look for them. But because mm -hmm. I'm a historian by nature, I'm always pulling it back to, to source and like how Ross saw this. And um, what I find interesting about all the heretic, uh, you know, the fractals as they call it, like, you know, every part of the fractal has its place, right? They're pulling in mm -hmm. different people. The reason I want to have a hundred million witty and wise conversations is because I, if I can raise the the collective one percent, that's ninety two million. Four percent of people are supposed to find human design. How many more are going to find it now because Donna has found it? How many more are going to find it because of the over two hundred people whose charts I've talked to to have that resonated that maybe we pulled their whole family? You know, those are our opportunities. So whether I'm physically having the conversation or that conversation is being carried on because of me, that um, spark, that's my purpose, is to be the spark. For you, Donna, what is your purpose? I feel like my purpose is, I think this goes back to my openness, is to really help people feel, I used to say this like in, in coaching schools, like feel happier, uh, feel like life should be like happier, easier, and like more aligned. And I think that's my biggest purpose when I'm working with a client is to like, the more people I can help feel better about themselves by not ignoring the issues, but like accepting that a lot of the things that they used to think were wrong are actually their superpowers or like things that they can leverage and that life isn't supposed to be difficult and like yes there are struggles yes you have to work hard sometimes but like coming from the perspective of like choosing what's right for you not what you should do and what you have to do but what you want to do and what is right I think that's like very much what I see in my calling about human designs like I want to help people it's like feel that they are not wrong right you said in the beginning like nobody gets to be wrong <laughs> I don't want people to feel like they are wrong. I want to feel, I want people to feel that they are right in, in, in being them. Becoming a leader is synonymous with becoming yourself. Quote from Warren Bennis. It's on my website. Uh, when I came, when P I, people ask me like, why leadership? And I remember the first time someone asked me that, I'm like, why did I pick leadership? I didn't have, I didn't know that my only gate of voice was lead or don't lead. That's my attractor in my unconscious moon is leadership. I had no idea. I just, and my answer in that moment was the well, leadership is everything. And then when I saw that quote from Lauren Bennis, I'm like, that's why I believe leadership is everything. And Ra mm -hmm. tells us that our, per our only purpose is to become ourselves, which so that we can fulfill our destiny here on earth. Um, and I think everyone in human design that's doing readings and work with it has a slightly different purpose or a slightly different mm -hmm. goal. I've got the 17 life's work. When I read a chart, I'm looking to just provoke abundance and disrupt whatever is holding you back. 
my culture is also, what is that? Like in my culture, the 24, the 34, it's 34. Like I'm here to complete things. Like let's, whatever you haven't completed at this point, we're completing it. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to go prosper because my pearl is the nine. Like I know what matters. I got a six line there. Like let's focus on what matters. In business, right? What matters is messaging and marketing. Like, how do you know someone's a coach? Because they can tell you in one sentence. (laughs) (laughs) I work with high performing women. Uh, (laughs) Like, but what they actually need are just clients. (laughs) What they actually need are people that want to give them money. And so I really just love to come in and just provoke and disrupt what people need to, to change there. And I'm so excited to to have you here uh, in this space now, being able to educate people on it. That's definitely not where I want to take human design. I more so want to help people just, I want to get right to the heart of it. Or as a client said on Halloween for me, Mm -hmm. I didn't think that you were going to call me out on everything in our first session. (laughs) I didn't have her human design. I don't actually. Well, in my head, I was like, I wasn't going to sit here and listen to you lie to me anymore. So if we were going to, like, I can't, I'm almost getting to the point where I physically, like, I just can't do it. I can't even listen to you and hold that. And I know we're supposed to hold space as coaches, but I, you know, we do it in a very gently loving way. You know, I Mm -hmm. waited until you were laughing before I started to tell her some truths. (laughs) What's next for you? What's next for me? Um, I feel like my my one is at the point where it still wants to learn like more and more and more and more about human design. And I keep going down these like rabbit holes of like how things are connecting and then like going through like from individual maps to like more um, like family maps or relationship maps. Because I think there's so much power in that thing of like how we influence each other and like so much to uncover there. I'm very excited about like working in the corporate world, I feel like a lot of my calling is around like making spirituality like practical or material. And I have this like really strong calling to like work with like leaders and managers and individual contributors in like big organizations and to show them how uh, human design that's considered like, a, you know, part spiritual practice can actually serve them really, really well in traditional like you know corporate business and tech and like all of that I had this discussion with a friend who's a manager and he said oh I'm fine I have like all these like strengths uh quizzes and things like that and I was talking to him about how like you only know what you see and you're the person you're managing only knows what they're able to see but you don't really know what's like deep down in there and I think that's part of like my initiation channel wanting to like be first. So I'm like, I know that's like a str- I like putting myself in a place where I think in Israel, human design is still like, it's not where it is in the, like in the U S right. Like not a lot of people know about it. There's a lot of like edu- market education to do and to convince people of like what it is. Why is it good? Why is it worth it? Yeah. I tell you, don't, so- do, you don't do any of that. You are selling. <laughs> when someone asked me what, it, what is it that you sell? And I'm truth and transformation. <laughs> Rob will tell you there's three things you sell. Oh, okay. You sell truth, you sell love, and you sell acceptance. So which one of those do you want to sell? I love that. The that took all of those tests that you were talking about as a totally a one, three, I feel it. <laughs> can't tell them anything. <laughs> Every time I meet a one, three that has not met human design, their first response to me is how have I not found this? I've researched every personality test. I've taken all the things. How did I never discover this? And 
it is always interesting to hear people's origin story, if you will, with human mm-hmm. design. And mine was a Google search. I always say I have the best Google in town. I have, de- I have degree in history. <laughs> I taught kids not to use Wikipedia back in the day. Now I guess we're just letting kids use that. Uh, I came of age with the internet. <laughs> so I understand <laughs> like how to, right. I was there when Bill Clinton invented it. That was what he told us that he invented it. Hilarious. Um, but the one threes always like, though they can be in their sixties and they're like, how did I never find this? I feel like the one threes in my life that I have, like, they were the, the easiest ones to like hook into like, right. Because they're like, Oh, designer. I love a good they're like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yes, tell me more, please. And then my they'll kids, go down their husband. own rabbit hole. They'll love it so much. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for my best for friend. Sure. Or to even drink from the cup. I can't mm-hmm. get her to take one sip. <laughs> because, and you know, when you talk about Intel, like in Tel Aviv, like you've got people, so tribal, you've got their own spirituality. You know, I mm-hmm. have a friend, your spirituality is therapy is what I always joke about. It's like, I, you know, my cup feels like it's, um, well, the, the Baptists here in, in, in Knoxville, probably, you know, full moon ceremony for them is like, what's that witchcraft going? I'm like, you know, <laughs> God made the moon, right? <laughs> you, know, you know, our ancestors look to the stars to get out of the desert. <laughs> So I digress, (laughs) but it is one of those, uh, instead of educating people on it, I never do that. Um, this is how I bring it into corporate. It's how you bring it to your people is, Mm -hmm. you know, you find, you wait for an opening and then you're like, Oh, have you heard of this new? So something to prove that's where you can sell 70% of people. So I'll say, all right. It's like, well, we could always look into your, your chart to see, you know, if there's any Mm -hmm. insights there. Like I always give them a little nugget. I think mm-hmm. we, we don't need to educate them on what the hell this thing is. They don't even actually have to see this. Yeah. Usually I'll read a whole chart for someone. And then afterwards, if it's in corporate, they'll be like, I'll show them what it looks like. They're like, you knew all that about me from that. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> what else yeah. do you want to know? <laughs> can you tell me when I'll meet the love of my life? I'm like, I can tell you when you won't. <laughs> I can tell you when you're out of alignment. <laughs> Mm. I always give our guests the last word. And when you say what's next, you talk about corporate. Maybe what's next is BG5 with me. Maybe we'll Maybe. do a certification together. I've got one more person who's a 6'2". Uh, so, you know, we're all that I met in Coactive. She's a projector. What We can have mm-hmm. her guide our energy. Maybe the three of us will sign yeah. up for it together. Mm. Uh, I like to leave our guests with the last word. So last word for us today. My last, last word. word. So I, by the way, I'm hearing... I'm hearing myself. Like there's an echo that's brand new. I don't have new. an echo on my side. So. Okay. So you want to ask me that again? Because I was like hearing myself yeah. talk. Okay. Last words for our guest. I think my last words are going to be thank you to you for exposing me to this world. Uh, it's completely transformed how I see myself, how I see people around me. I think for the first time in my life, I used to always be like really envious of people that had this like really big passion that they could go down like researching paths for. I'd be like admiring coaching. They tell you like, look to people you admire and see like what's in it, what's in them that you admire, like what kind of qualities. And I always would gravitate to like these women that were like really into the history of cooking or like the, or into fashion. And they would like be like, really like doing impactful projects and like meaningful things but they had their like zone that they found fascinating and I feel like 
for the last year or so since I like started really uh, learning and working with human design that's been that like passion I've been looking for my whole life to feel like really really connected to something so I want to thank you for that and also for having me on your podcast I always love to be in your energy whenever I have the opportunity it's great um, and to letting me express myself fully um, and, and yeah, and to, to, you know, people listening, thank you for listening to me. And I hope you also find, uh, truth and love and uh, acceptance through human design.